Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. When you've had a rough day, what brings you comfort? For me, after a long day at work and talking to people, meeting after meeting and writing content, I love to cuddle with my daughter, rock her to sleep, watch a good cop show, and kiss my wife goodnight. It's, it's just how I work, like high pace, high pace energizes me and slow pace comforts me. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she's the complete opposite. Like Melinda, she will be exhausted after chasing a toddler all day. And you know what comforts her? Having long, deep conversations with people and also shopping. Now, now this has made her a better shopper, okay? Because she will discover needs that I didn't even know were possible. Like five years ago, she was... She was trying to convince me to buy a piece of clothing called Flex Jeans. And, and, and she went up to me and she was like, Tim, you gotta try Flex Jeans. They're flexible jeans, the ones that women wear, but now they make it for men. And I'm like, no. Uh, I don't think any guys are wasting their money on these Flex Jeans. I'll stick with my rigid jeans. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But she's persistent, right? Because then we went to Old Navy and she got one from the shelf and she's like, here they are, the flex jeans I was telling you about. Try it on. <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> and she, but she kept persisting and she persisted until I'm like, fine, I'll try them on. Now, they're expensive, so I'm not gonna buy them, but I'll just try them on. So I waited in line, got into the dressing room, and folks, it took one pant leg, just one. As soon as my first leg slid through those flex jeans like a hot knife through butter, my world changed forever. It was like going from flying coach to flying first class. I don't know what that's like, but it must be like this. And so I got out of the dressing room to get her opinion like, you know, I usually do, but my face explained it all. <laughs> this is amazing. Look how high I can kick and I can squat. Why, why did I think that regular jeans are like, why did I reject flex jeans? Like now if I try to go back and wear regular jeans, it's like the jeans have been dipped in concrete. It's horrible. Like, I try to stay away as far as I can from regular jeans, okay? But sometimes we'll, we'll do that, right? We'll, we'll find something comfortable. We'll, we'll find a comfort zone and we'll hold on to it for dear life because if we start to suffer, if we feel any discomfort, our brains begin to tell us this is not good, run, must seek comfort. And so we'll procrastinate instead of tackling that job, that project. We'll sleep in a little more because we don't want to really exercise. We'll avoid certain people or certain conversations by driving 10 minutes longer to another store. We will escape 
through TV and social media and all the streaming services available to us. We will eat the biggest bowl of ice cream we can find because it makes us feel better. Some of us will even resort to excessive planning and spreadsheets. Spreadsheets make me feel warm and cozy, church. Like we will avoid, avoid, and avoid all the discomfort, all the suffering because, well, Christians are supposed to do that, right? But it's fascinating, though, because the Bible does not say that at all. If anything, it says the opposite. Jesus says in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. And the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And if we read the entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, we will find again and again stories upon stories of men and women of God suffering and God working through their suffering. But it's difficult to apply that to us because, well, we live in America and in the 21st century and we like our air conditioning. But the truth is, if we are to follow Jesus, we will suffer. Thanks, Tim, for the encouraging message. (laughs) Finally got my friend to come here and now you're telling all of us we're going to suffer. Well, stick with me because I want to share with you a passage from Scripture that helps us understand more about suffering and comfort in the correct way, and hopefully that will be an encouragement to us. So whether you're here in this room, if you're joining us online, it's so wonderful to be with all of you there. Please join me in opening to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to camp out in verses 3 through 5. We've been in a sermon series called More Than Enough. We are reminded and we've been learning how God really wants to bless us abundantly. But what if we don't feel blessed? What about when we lose our job? When the pain is not gone? When things are not going according to plan? When life is hard and all the things that promised comfort don't deliver? Then what do we do? Well, today I hope I can introduce to you flex jeans. And I pray you don't reject it that you embrace it. So let's pray and then we'll get to work. Father God, you know every heart that is listening right now, every person in this room, everyone online, and every person who will listen to this in the future, God, I pray that your living word would come alive in each and every one of us. Help us to see the reality of the comfort you provide and how everything else falls short. I pray that your spirit would convict us, would change us and use us for your glory. And Lord, if we're distracted by anything, if our mind is cloudy right now, Lord, I pray that you would help us focus in these next few moments as we study your word. We love you and pray all of this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Before we start reading 2 Corinthians, I want to just give you a little bit of a context in which Paul, the author, is writing this. And and it's important to know because this is Paul's most emotional letter. And so Paul, he writes this letter to a church that he started in Corinth. And Corinth was a city. It was the, the third most important city in the Roman Empire. And it was a young city. 
So there weren't many traditions. In other words, it was a blank canvas. Many opportunities, people would move away from their town, enter Corinth so that they can seek a better life for themselves and for other people. And these people were trying to escape suffering, trying to escape discomfort, much like we do today. And because of this, how much money you had in a bank was how you received respect. And so a New Testament scholar, Scott Haifman, he said that the people of Corinth were filled with materialism, pride, and self-confidence. And unfortunately, this led to problems in the church, issues like division and disorder and marriage issues and issues in public worship. And so Paul wrote a letter to them that we know of as 1 Corinthians, where he addressed all of these issues. And most of the people who received this letter and read it, they received Paul's correction and instruction, but many of them didn't. There were false teachers who were trying to lead people against Paul. They started to question his authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ. They thought his preaching was dull. They thought his ministry was, was weak. They started to question, like, well, if he is truly an apostle of Jesus, then why is he suffering so much? And so Paul writes another letter, 2 Corinthians, where he defends his authority as an apostle. But he also gives us, he teaches us how to look at suffering and comfort the correct way. And that's what we're going to learn today. So let's start reading 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. So after Paul introduces himself, he starts the letter like he usually does by worshiping God. He is worshiping God by proclaiming who he is. These are the facts. He is the father of compassion. He is the God of all comfort. So for us to start thinking about the right way to think about comfort and suffering, I think the best place to start is to know who you worship. Know who you worship because Paul certainly did. He knows that God is the God of all comfort. And you can read all about his suffering in 2 Corinthians. For example, in chapter 7, he talks about how he and his team went to Macedonia. And when they arrived there, they were harassed. And they, there were conflicts everywhere they turned. And they, there were obstacles. Nothing went according to plan. But then God sent Titus, a fellow brother in Christ, to, to comfort them by giving them good news about the church. And guess what? Paul gave God the credit for that comfort. Not Titus. He gave God the credit because he knew and understood that God is the God of all comfort. This is who Paul believed God is. This is who he worshiped. Do you know who you worship? Because for me, if I truly believe Jesus is the God of all comfort, I would go to him first. So why is it that I go to him last? Why is it that when my daughter is sick and we don't really know what to do, we, we go on Google and we start searching to try to diagnose the problem and that comforts us, that we, we do that so that we can feel good and nothing wrong with searching and trying to figure it out, but if Jesus is the God of all comfort, why don't I go to him first? Years ago, Melinda and I, we, we went through a lot of, a lot of issues and difficulties as we, start, as we were trying to plan a church and we would often run away to visit her parents over in Delaware. Like we were trying to escape suffering, so we drove two hours away for a few days. 
Now, online research and visiting family, there's nothing wrong with that. But again, if Jesus really is the God of all comfort, shouldn't I have gone to him first? Do you know who you worship? Then Paul says that he worships the father of compassion. Why do you, why do you think, I was reading this, I'm like, why, why does Paul write father of compassion and God of all comfort side by side? There's gotta be a reason. So I looked up the word comfort and what I found helped me to understand what this comfort is all about. The Greek word for comfort is actually a combination of two words, para and kaleo. Para meaning beside, kaleo is to call. So comfort actually means to call someone beside you. And as I discovered this and also reading that Paul worships the father of compassion, it clicked for me. Because there are times when my three-year-old daughter Melody, she will be a hot mess. Like she is crying and, you know, just like, like a river of tears, like snot, just wet, you know? Like, so, like one time her hair was wet. I'm like, how? Like, I don't, I don't understand. And, and, and so I, I see what's happening. She's like 10 feet away. And so I, I come towards her like two feet and I kneel down and I start talking to her. I'm like, hey, come here, come here. It's okay. Come here, let me hug you. And she'll look at me like, do I really want to hug daddy right now? And she'll come in a little closer and I'll continue doing that. I'm like, hey, it's okay. I'll give you a dino hug. I know you like your dino hugs. Come here. And this will go on for a little bit and she'll finally come all the way to me and now I'm able to hug her and comfort her, wipe her tears away, make her laugh. The issues that she's going through, they're so small and insignificant compared to the issues I go through as an adult, but I understand what she's going through and I know that I can bring her comfort, but she needs to come to me and receive it. And so Paul, he says, he is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And so here's what I want us to walk away with today. Drawing close to Jesus brings lasting comfort to us and others. When you go through suffering and different trials, the God of all comfort and Father of compassion, he understands what you're going through. And he knows that he's able to give you the comfort that you need. And he's saying, hey, listen, I know it's difficult, but just come close to me so I can give you a hug. Come here so I can hold you. Come here so I can stand beside you. And then it hit me, like having the comfort of God really is having God beside us. Because Jesus never promised to take away her suffering, but he did promise to be with us through our suffering. The comfort that Jesus provides is knowing that you're not alone no matter how lonely you might feel. And Paul says in verse four that God comforts us in all our troubles, all our troubles, no matter how big or small, whether you lost a job or you lost a loved one, God's comfort is yours if you want it. All you have to do is draw close to Jesus. Isaiah paints a beautiful picture of this in Isaiah 40. Check out what he writes. He says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lamb in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He doesn't say he takes away all of your suffering and makes life really easy. No, because the wolves are still out there. The pain might still be there, but when you draw close to Jesus, he brings lasting comfort to us and others. And notice I said, drawing close to Jesus brings lasting comfort to us and others. Because look at verse four. Paul explains to us the reason 
God comforts us. So he's talking about God and he says, God who comforts us in all our troubles so that, here's the reason, we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And this is what's so amazing about God. God's comfort doesn't stop with you. It doesn't stop with you. When God strengthens us and walks beside us, it allows us to do the same to someone else. Like when God comforts you, remember parakaleo, right? To call someone beside you, you can parakaleo someone else. When someone else is crying, when they're hurting, when they're in pain, because of the comfort that you have, you are able to strengthen them and you can say, hey, I'm right here, come here. I know what you're going through. And that comforts me because then I know that the suffering I go through and the pain that I have to endure are never wasted. I heard it said this way, God can turn your mess into a message. It's saying, hey, you've, are, you, are you messed up? Are you, are you broken right now? Are you hurting and suffering? Yeah, me too. Come here. Let me show you the God who has been beside me throughout this entire journey. Come here, let me show you. God's comfort doesn't stop with you. And there will be times that you'll have to make a decision that will challenge your faith, affect your life. Your decision might even cause you to lose things, lose your job and lose your friends, maybe even your life. But God's comfort doesn't stop with you. He might actually be using your comfort right now, your, your suffering rather, right now to comfort someone else. Drawing close to Jesus brings lasting comfort to us and others. I want to read one more verse from this passage, and I think this beautifully ties everything together and gives us a lot of hope. 2 Corinthians 1.5, it says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. When we talk about suffering, it's easy to think about the day-to-day kind of suffering, sickness and health issues, financial issues, losing a job, physical pain, all those things. But in verse five, Paul's actually talking about the suffering that we experience because of following Christ. Earlier, we, we saw what he wrote in 2 Timothy, that if you want to follow Jesus, you will be persecuted. And that's a promise. It's not saying you might be persecuted. It's saying if you want to follow Jesus, you will be persecuted. And just a little side note, I want to pause for a moment and remind us that the suffering and persecution that we experience right here in America for following Jesus Christ is very different from the persecution that other Christians experience around the globe and in history. And I don't want to make light of our suffering because it's real and it's difficult, but I just want to acknowledge the fact that some people have it worse and some people have it a lot better. But here, Paul is speaking specifically about suffering for following Christ. Let's look at that verse one more time. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And in the original language of this verse, the words share abundantly and abounds are actually the same Greek word. And here's what it means, to be more than enough. Okay, so follow me now. Paul said that the sufferings that you will experience for following Christ They're more than enough, more than you can handle, more than you can bear. But guess what? The comfort that God provides is also more than enough. And that's the hope that we have right now. Let me say it a different way. Your abundant suffering is a setup 
for God's abundant comfort. That is the hope that we have. If we know who we worship, we will draw close to Jesus and experience lasting comfort, what seems like endless suffering. We would experience rest through times of pain. When our pain is more than enough, God sees it as an opportunity, a setup to give us more than enough comfort. Drawing close to Jesus brings lasting comfort to us and others. You may be listening to me right now and you're not sure what you believe about Jesus, but you know one thing is sure, you want comfort. Life has been difficult. You're going through some trials and you're searching for something or someone to give you rest. Let me just say, I am so honored and thankful that you are listening to this message right now of God's word. But I wanna encourage you with what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus doesn't say, come to me all who have been Christians for a long time. He doesn't say, come to me everyone who, who believes and understand God's word. No, he says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So I want to share what this looks like on the daily for anyone who wants this comfort. Let me first explain what drawing close to Jesus is not. Drawing close to Jesus is not saying a specific prayer a certain, a certain amount of time so that we can gain brownie points with God. Drawing close to Jesus is not doing a list of good deeds so that we can be on his good side. It doesn't work that way. We can't earn God's comfort. It's a gift that he offers. So the question is, how do we get it? How does drawing close to Jesus look like for you? Well, here's one thing that you can do. Maybe this can help you out. Get God's comfort by avoiding false comfort. Because drawing close to Jesus might mean drawing away from something else. When you feel the urge to grab a drink because you've had a hard day. When you turn to Netflix so that you can escape or you hit some golf balls because you want to isolate yourself and shut out all the issues you need to deal with with a hobby Draw away from those things and draw closer to Jesus. Now, nothing wrong with watching some TV and golfing, but what if we treated Jesus as our only source of comfort? Because if we don't, here's the danger. If we don't, these things that aren't wrong can actually become false gods. And that can actually corrupt everything. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians 5, 3. He writes, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Here, Paul is speaking specifically about sin. And he's saying, if we have just a little bit of it, it will corrupt everything. And I believe in the same way, if we have a little bit of false comfort, a little thing that we do so we can feel a little better about ourselves, then this can turn into a sin, a false God, and that can corrupt everything. And if we do that, if we don't run to Jesus as our source of comfort, then we'll miss out on the lasting true comfort that he provides. Okay, Tim, so how do I draw closer to Jesus if he's not physically here? And that's a great question, and hopefully this helps you out. Get God's comfort by getting to know Jesus and spend time thinking about him. Tell God your frustration in the way you know best. 
Church, you don't have to pray on your knees and in a seated position looking all holy. Like, no, like, go for a walk. Like, put your earbuds on and start ranting to God. Oh, God, this is happening. Like, no one's going to know. They're going to think you're talking to someone else. Like, talk to God. Tell him your frustrations and then be silent because he might have something to tell you. Or maybe you can open God's word and start reading the Gospels. I've already read it. Read it again. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, get to know Jesus. And if you're a more visual person, read the Gospels and watch Jesus' films and Jesus' shows. There's amazing things happening with that. So get to know Jesus. You will learn that he is gentle and humble in heart. Maybe you need to join a small group. Join a small group or talk to other people who want to also know Jesus. The closer you are to Jesus, the more comfort and rest you will find. Get to know Jesus because if you do, you'll learn that Jesus knows how to sleep in a storm. So let him teach you how. And when you start getting to know him more, you'll find yourself spending more time thinking about him. You start thinking about what it will be like to live in eternity with him. What if you took some time to think about all that Jesus suffered for you? How he was rejected and alone, how he was betrayed and felt so much despair, it almost killed him. He knows and understands what you're going through. He was tortured and hung on a tree to die alone and naked, yet today he is alive and on the throne, and that gives us hope, church, that what we're going through right now is temporary. And maybe some of you might be thinking, maybe it's temporary for some people, Tim, but I've been suffering and I'm gonna suffer all my life until I die because I have chronic pain or I have a disease, I have cancer. Maybe your marriage is not what you expected and your spouse doesn't love Jesus the way you do so you feel alone. Perhaps you're still suffering from the aftermath of abuse and trauma in your past. Whatever you're suffering, think of the sweetness of eternal life with Jesus. Daydream about the day that he will wipe away your tears. Spend time thinking about Jesus. And if you don't already listen to Christian music with rich lyrics, read the Psalms, read Christian poetry. It'll help us to think about Jesus. Drawing close to Jesus brings lasting comfort to us and others. What else can we do to apply that truth? Get God's comfort by asking God to use your pain to comfort others. Please realize that your suffering is an opportunity. It's a setup. So what if we began to pray differently? Instead of just, just praying that God would give you comfort, just praying that he would relieve you of the pain and heal you and find an escape, what if we began to ask him to give us opportunities to comfort others with the comfort he will provide? It would sound something like this, Lord, I'm going through so much right now and I can't even breathe. With all my responsibilities and not enough in the bank, I don't know how I'm gonna make it through another week. Lord, would you use me to help someone else who's going through something similar? Would you use me to encourage them through this? I don't have the strength to do it, but I know that you have the power to use me. So I pray that you would use my discomfort to comfort someone else. Do you believe that God could use that prayer? I had to say a similar prayer this week. Drawing close to Jesus brings lasting comfort to us and others. So church, you have a choice to make. 
Where will you seek out your comfort? What will you do the next time a sale doesn't go through? The next time your children don't obey or your teenager disrespects you? Where will you turn to the next time you argue with your spouse or when a person you thought would be a potential spouse ended up not being the right person or when your roommate in college is making life very uncomfortable or when your eczema keeps flaring up or your chronic pain is making it difficult for you to live a normal life? Allow God to work on you as you feel the pain. Don't just try to escape it. Allow God to comfort you through it. You might be thinking, well, it's easier said than done, Tim. And I agree. But you know what I was thinking? Here's the thing. The God of the Bible either is or is not the God of all comfort. He either is the father of compassion or he isn't. Because if God is not the source of all compassion and all comfort, then why are we wasting our time? Why are we even here? Why would we follow a God who, doesn't, who isn't who he says he is in the Bible? But if he is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, then church, that changes everything. And this is what my friend Trudy experienced when she was going through a very difficult trial, many trials in her life. She found herself drawing closer to Jesus and she began to experience his comfort, but not only for herself, to other people as well. So as you watch this, be encouraged. God is not done with you yet. There is rest. There is hope. There is comfort for you and through you to others. Watch this. My name is Trudy, and I keep this tiara close to me to remind me that I am a princess of the king, but I did not always feel that way. My mom was in the hospital a lot as we were growing up. I got bullied a lot in school, and I just didn't feel comfortable or that I belonged even in my church. I um, rebelled a lot in, when I was a teen. I did some things that I should not have done, and so I felt that I wasn't even close to God at that time. I felt I pulled away from him, he never pulled away from me, but I didn't feel that I even belonged with him. I met my first husband as a teenager. We got married um, when we were both 19, and then we had two children. And what I thought was a great marriage, um, I looked back at to realize that there were some struggles. As time went on, I saw his alcohol addiction take over his life, his business, his our family life, and how it affect, started to affect me and create my own addiction in trying to fix him. I remember waking up every day um, feeling like the weight of the world on my shoulders and not knowing where to go with it. After a couple years of living this way, I knew I couldn't do it on my own, and I decided to reach out to a counselor. One of her first questions that she asked me was, was I going to keep chasing my husband or following him, or was I going to stay and get better for myself? And that was a very pivoting question for me and something that really resonates in my mind a lot still today. That was the first time that I realized that I also needed help in working through this time, this time period that we were going through. Through that time, with 
um, the counselor, she encouraged me to get involved with a women's Bible study. And my first thought was, is that was the last place I wanted to be with, was other women, um, mainly because I was afraid of gossip. I was afraid of judgment. When I went to um, the first Bible study, those women uh, came around me and built, helped build me up, helped me to find my worth, not in myself, but in who God said I was. Unfortunately, my marriage ended in divorce. And though it felt like a relief, it also felt like a failure. I didn't know at the time that God was going to use that for me because in a month later, I got a call from somebody here at the church that they were going to be starting Celebrate Recovery, and they asked me to be a part of that team. In my first marriage and growing up, there was a lot of emotional abuse that had happened. And I found healing in helping others as I was helping them to find their healing also. God used me for eight years in Celebrate Recovery to walk alongside other women. And then I was asked to be a part of the staff and I've been on staff for the last five years to be able to work alongside others to help them to see that they are not going through this alone. God showed me that I can be there to build them up and show who He is to them, not that they have to find that worth in other people, that they can find that worth, that they can find that His love, that they can find who God says that they are and not who other people say that they are. This isn't just a story for women. This is a story for men and women. We all face have faced trials and have struggles in our life. Just as he has used my story for his glory, he can use your story because we are all sons and daughters of the King.